TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. I think I'm going to try and get at least one on the board first. I'm <laughs> going to go with a tag team. I'm going with the British Bulldogs. Ooh. From a town not that far away from me, actually from around this area, uh, a town near Wigan, Tom Billington and David Davy Boy Smith. They started wrestling in, in the late 70s uh, around the, the local English promotions. Ended up actually going to Canada for Stampede Wrestling, the, the federation set up by the Hearts. They actually did a stint as well in New Japan. Now, I didn't actually know this when I was researching. Actually, called whilst they were there, they ditched New Japan for all Japan, and really, like that, back then, that was a no no. That was almost like committing murder. They, whilst they were at Stampede, the, obviously Stampede got bought out by WWF, so their contract transferred over to, to the WWF. Uh, we had classic feuds with the likes of the Hart Foundation, Valentine and Beefcake. They actually won the tag titles at WrestleMania 2, I believe, uh, where they had Ozzy Osbourne there. Obviously, in the, coming up to the, the end of Tom Billington's career, they had a bit of a falling out. Uh, Tom Billington felt that that he'd been betrayed by Davey. Uh, Davey obviously went on to have a, a quite a successful singles career, uh, hopping back and forth between WWF and WCW. Uh, but yeah, I think without the British Bulldogs in the WWF and in, in WCW, I don't think it would have been as big a thing in in Britain, the American style of wrestling anyway. Yeah. No, I com- I completely agree. And I've you know, Davy Boy Smith was such a well known person that sometimes you can forget about Tom Wellington and their tag team work. Because uh, I had Davy Boy on- Smith on my uh, on my list on my potential list, and so, um, yeah, like I and I didn't know that about the the All Japan no, New Japan thing either. Yeah. So, and it's funny because. Um, <laughs> it's funny how the name British Bulldogs, even even not so much in a wrestling sense, ha- carries because for years I have wanted an English Bulldog. <laughs> My husband will forever call them British Bulldogs. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, it just it it's transcended throughout pop culture into just general culture. So, and they were another team that kind of kind of flew back and forth between being British heels and the good guys. Yeah. So they had they had a nice fluidity there. Yeah, towards the end of of the partnership, apparently, according to Tom Billington, Davey trademarked the name the British Bulldog, so Tom mm. couldn't use it, and he actually sent him like cease and desist letters for when he'd be wrestling, so he couldn't be called a British Bulldog. Wow. He got pretty bitter at the end, uh, did that. Uh, Tom once said that he would shoot David if he ever showed up at his front door. Wow. But 
Tom Billington was he was kind of in the same boat of Chris Benoit. He did the diving headbutt as a finishing move, and he ended up with really really bad CTE because of it. And it's it's funny that he was actually Chris Benoit's hero and who Chris Benoit tried to emulate, and they both en- ended up taking the paths that they chose. Yeah. Oh, don't even don't even get me started on Benoit. Luckily, he weren't British, so you can't put him on on your mouth. No, (laughs) no, no. That's a whole nother topic. We have had conversations, like hours and hours of conversation, because my husband's kind of a conspiracy theorist. So we we have had hours of conversations about Chris Benoit and that whole situation. So, but I'm not going to go into it because we'll be here for forever. So, Ori, what is your third... Whoa, 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 uh-oh, whoa. Uh-oh. Oh, dear. Are you going to veto the Bulldogs? How dun, dare dun, you? Dun. Oh, Paul playing dirty. <laughs> you think you can just skip along? You think you can skip over <laughs> the that... threat of veto? <laughs> <laughs> I thought they were bankers. I'm vetoing. <gasps> and I'm replacing the British Bulldogs... How do you with the Brit- off a ...with... With the British Bulldog. Oh, oh my goodness. I, be- I don't believe he deserves to share his bit of granite or whatever Rank Rushmore's made out of. <laughs> <laughs> he headlined SummerSlam 92 in London, in Wembley, Wembley Stadium. He, he brought wrestling home, did the, did the British Bulldog. He was like, if you were a kid in the 90s in Britain, he was your hero. Yeah. Like you wanted, you wanted the dreadlocks. You know, you wanted, you wanted to fly far. the Union Jack. <laughs> I just think Tom Billington, the you know Dynamite Kid, was was a brilliant wrestler. He was a fantastic wrestler, and he maybe even deserves to be up there, kind of on his own, on his own merit as well. But you, you know, you kind of alluded it to it there also a bit. Is he hasn't got a very nice reputation at all. And whether that should, whether that should come into the conversation on wrestling ability is another question. But there are quite a few nasty stories about him, and I, I do just think British Bulldog deserves to be on on his own. I can totally see see your point. It's not a veto that I'm, and I'm not happy about being vetoed at all. But. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a veto that I can argue much a case of yet. You are right. And Brit- David Boy Smith was the man for, for British wrestling fans. So, yeah, yeah, I, I concede that point, Paul. I concede that point. Oh, I didn't get as much satisfaction on that. I, <laughs> I see you when you want something for so long and you finally get it. It's just <laughs> not as good. You'll feel that way when we, you get Charlotte Flair on a, on a Mount Rushmore. Always use your head. Right, I'm gonna go for a. I think I'm good. No, all right. Let's go for my risky one first. Let's get it out. Let's get it out of the way. I, t- I told you at the outset that I'm not a fan of the summer. I'm not a fan of the heat. So you know, SummerSlam is in my bag, really. I'd... Do you peel? I I don't peel. I don't sweat <laughs> profusely. Just for a period of about four months, I just don't stop sweating. And it's not fun. Um, and then you get midges on you as well. You know, the ones that just jump and crawl up your ear. Oh, no. Yeah, I'll you get it. Yeah. I'll get it. I'll get it. Little bastards. <laughs> so. It's that horn swoggle again. <laughs> <laughs> so when you're hot and you're sweaty and you're grumpy like I am and there's midges trying to attack you, 
you need to go find a safe place, somewhere nice and cool and dark to get out, get away from it all. Somewhere like a boiler room. I'm going back to SummerSlam. So I don't know what SummerSlam I'm going back to. I think 96. Yeah. And I'm going to pick The Undertaker versus Mankind in a boiler room brawl. Ooh. Now this is this is actually like my, my, my most... When I think of SummerSlam, this is the match I think of. I don't know why. I think it might may have been like the first SummerSlam I saw. I'm not sure. Um, I loved it. I love I love Mankind in his original incarnation because he was so freaky, so creepy, and that match kind of really suited his persona. Obviously, the Undertaker had to go into the boiler room, had to confront him, and the winner was the person who got out of the boiler room first and back to the ring. Yeah. I believe, I believe those are the rules. Well, obvious. Um, and this was this was pre-Attitude Era. So it kind of sticks out because it actually, the matches that were that violent didn't weren't happening at that point. So it was like a free-for-all. They could, use the, they could use the pipes. They could use ladders. They could use whatever was in that boiler room. So it was quite a unique match. And then obviously we had the, the shock at the end that The Undertaker did actually win. But Paul Bearer smashed him over the head with the urn and uh, that urn again the Undertaker <laughs> and I just thought it's fantastic because for the first time you know for, for, for all of his career up to that date the Undertaker the power was the urn and the power was Paul Bearer and now that had been taken away from him so the first time in WWE the Undertaker was, was fallible and that was just really exciting and the fact that Mankind had his number was just insane like mankind and you've never seen anything like mankind before i don't think you've ever seen anything like mankind since maybe bray wyatt now is is a good comparison so for, for, for it was it was the it was the birth of the undertaker in his new guys i'd say and obviously it was great for great for mankind as well great pick really really good pick and uh, one thing you 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 forgot to mention was that it was this storyline that actually led to the introduction of probably one of the greatest characters in wrestling when the, uh, the when Kane came and uh, Undertaker. But, but Paul, you did me dirty last week with with Tom Billington, so I'm having to pay you back. No, no, you can't take the boiler room brawl off. I'm taking it off. And I'm replacing it with Hogan versus Shawn Michaels. I can't, you can't. I can't even veto that. In the best showcase of overselling that wrestling has ever, ever seen. Hogan and Michaels had agreed on a two-match feud. And just before SummerSlam... Hogan reneged on that deal because he wanted to go over. So Michaels let him go over, but not before absolutely selling the shit out of every piece of offence by Hogan to the point where it looked ridiculous. I mean, he was getting punched and he was flinging himself over the top rope and rolling about. It was the most funniest match in a long, long time and showed Hogan up for being the politicking bastard that he was <laughs> so i am vetoing the boiler room for hogan versus hbk 
there's only one thing I agree with there, and that is that was it was ridiculous. And now you <laughs> podcast ridiculous, and you've made our Mount Rushmore SummerSlam moments look ridiculous. <laughs> this this is ridiculous. Je- Jess, this is what I live for. It's absolute brilliant. Always use your head. Now, do I risk? Well, I think Paul's going to veto no matter what, so I might as well throw in a a wacky one. I were going to go with 1992. Obviously, that's an important one, but Paul's going to veto no matter what, so I don't want to cry because SummerSlam 92 gets vetoed out. So I'm going to actually go with SummerSlam 2000. 20 years before we get the current Shane McMahon, the cocaine fueled sweaty Shane McMahon. <laughs> the shittest punches in wrestling Shane McMahon. The straight up begging his dad to love him in, love in the hopes of gaining his dad's respect by killing himself in the ring Shane McMahon. The shit. That man fell from a helicopter. <laughs> <He's>, <laughs> Still got it. <laughs> he certainly did. The the best thing that's happened with Shane McMahon over the last year or so is when his own dad tweeted him saying, Happy birthday, <laughs> Shane McMahon. <laughs> and, and he, remember, I think we were talking about this when you were a mine. We yeah, were cracking up. <laughs> absolutely. And he sent John Cena... Stone Cold Steve Austin and Triple H all tweets saying how amazing they've been for the business and how basically love loved them like a son and he sent his own flesh and blood <laughs> happy birthday Shane McMahon said his last name he said his own son's last name that that's like a cardinal sin but before we you get might as well just said HB you know what I mean you might as well just like, HB Shane <laughs> Or just like poked him or something on Facebook and <laughs> I just unfriended him, just unfollowed you know what I mean? him. On... That is just that it's, is just such brutal. But Shane I deserves think... it. Shane deserves it. No, hey. don't get don't get me He's a bit of an ass, but geez, that's a that's a that's a low blow, isn't it? It's definitely low. <laughs> <laughs> it is certainly. I'd, I'd be fuming. I'd be absolutely fuming. <laughs> but but before we got the Shane McMahon that is a skid mark on the underpants of wrestling that we have now, we, yep. we had the plucky underdog Shane, the cocky, brash, but likeable underdog. And this guy just wanted to compete in the land of the giants. So rolling up to SummerSlam 2000, he was in a feud with Steve Blackman, challenging for the hardcore title. After what started as a standard hardcore match, we got Test and Albert interfering, which led to a brawl on the entrance ramp. And in what would actually become his calling card, Shane ended up taking to the air. He and Blackman scaled the scaffolding, and whilst 40 foot in the air, he took a kendo stick to the head and fell backwards from the scaffold. Blackman followed up with a diving elbow, but the pussy that that Steve Blackman is he stepped down about 15 foot so he only had to drop about 20 but that day Shane McMahon gained the wrestling world's respect and that is a respect he would piss up against the wall by becoming <laughs> the knobhead he is today so my pick is Shane McMahon 
SummerSlam 2000, getting whacked in the head with a kendo stick and falling 40 feet. Paul. He just, he just, he just takes risks, man. Yeah, to, to let his, to say, Dad, love me. If I kill myself in the ring, <laughs> will you love me? And it's that commiseration shame, man, on your passing. I reckon he literally would just be like, he, I bet he comes down every time. Goes to the back and he's like, What did you think? And you'd be like, Me, you should have gone higher. <laughs> yeah, it was shit. It was bad it was shit. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> every time. You must completely just mug him off. And then Shane's just standing there crying and quivering. Like, oh, like, why daddy's love me? Yeah. I, th- I honestly Imagine. think that is very close to the truth. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think this is staying on our Mount Rushmore, Paul, do you? <laughs> it's an iconic SummerSlam moment, isn't it? It is. It is. I, I think he should jump off things more often. He doesn't do it enough in my book. Yeah, just don't what? need to be near a camera, just like bridges. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> not being funny, but bless him, he literally walks down the ring and he's sweating that, everywhere. That, that's that's the nose candy. That's the nose candy. Just before he goes out, oh, I'm going to have to kill myself and my dad. I best get some... I best get <laughs> <laughs> some Dutch courage. Oh, Vince won't even go to his fucking funeral. <laughs> he'll, he'll send Linda. <laughs> he won't even do that. He'll send him a tweet. <laughs> wow. That'd be it. <laughs> Paul, are you leaving Shane McMahon the corked up Diving idiot on our <laughs> on our Mount Rushmore. I don't think we're going to get a WWE sponsorship after this episode, though. I think Shane's, Shane. I Mount. think Vince will love us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Happy birthday, Badlands Pod. Love from Vince. <laughs> to be fair, you'd probably get a better reaction. <laughs> wow. You you made a very convincing argument against him. <laughs> so. <laughs> so for that, he's staying on. I shall veto him. I, even though you want it, I, I know you want it. Let's let's veto him and let's put in let's put in your real pick. Come on, SummerSlam '92. My well, I had two these two major events that happened at SummerSlam '92 for me. So which one are you going to go for? Just, just like the 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 opening. It was in Britain. It was in. Wembley Stadium, like the first, the first. I'm going to pick the first VT where they're just on on the on the Wembley Way and they're talking to fans and they're just so excited. Like, Can you believe there's never been another major WWE pay per view in Britain before? That's mental, mental. It's absolutely ridiculous. It's crazy. But apparently, it was a massive commercial failure for WWE. I, I can actually believe it because of the time zones. Yeah, it was the the lowest, the lowest rated, um, the lowest lowest what do you call it like buy rate for any SummerSlam ever um you know people didn't people didn't watch people didn't watch it because of the time difference um so that's why they that's why they never came back yeah for for me the the one big outstanding moment from that will always be Legion of Doom riding down to the the ring on on the Harleys absolutely love that but if I were to pick one moment gun to the head it would have to be Bulldog and Bret Hart main eventing that just yep. meant so much to... Uh, I, I mean, I was 12 then. It was a massive, massive influence on me. Yeah, absolutely loved it. And I'm glad I 
political did no way to get that on the Mount Rushmore, Paul. Thank you very that was, much that for that. Was well, that was well played, yeah. I've told you, you want flair on this Mount Rushmore, you've got to be political. You've got All to right. give a bit and then take a lot. Well, I would have been stretching if I had a Charlotte Flair. Uh, <laughs> no, no, actually, don't let me give away my fourth. Always use your head. Rushmore of authority figures. Okay. I've gone for um, my second pick. See, I've I was torn with this one between three people, um, and I've got I've got I've got I've got, a, I've got an authority figure who's kind of down the down the line. He kind of he he, he um you know he's a, a real authority figure. Sticks to the rules. He's a man of principle, and I like that in an authority figure. I kind of I think that brings. I think that brings the best out of the heels on the roster. But on the other hand, I've got two bastards of genius <laughs> that have uh, always been thoroughly entertaining as bastards. What, what kind? Of, what kind of pick have you got? I'm letting no beans spill. Oh, okay. I've got th- three that I've really done some research into, and then I've got obviously my honourable mentions, and they're quite spread across the board. So. Okay. Oh dear. I'm gonna. I'm gonna Vince McMahon. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Explain why Vince McMahon. He, Vince McMahon, Vince McMahon invented the authority figure, didn't he? I mean, before before Vince McMahon was authority figure, I guess it was Jack Tunney. Who was, who was the, on my honourable mentions? On your, on your honourable mentions? He, but he didn't do anything, did he? <laughs> yeah, but when I was first started watching wrestling and he come on screen, it was like, oh, he's a big deal. He sat there in a suit and tie. Yeah, he, for, he was the head honcho for me until I knew better that he was just a, a figurehead. <laughs> I was really disappointed when I found that out. And I must have been about 30 when I did. <laughs> what? Jack Tunney wasn't the, pre- wasn't the president of the WWE. <laughs> Shocking. But yeah. So we had... <laughs> wow. Wow. Oh, but he's kind of like like the New Japan president, isn't he? The New Japan president never gets involved. He just, just makes matches. Yeah, I suppose. But, yeah. But anyway, obviously, that all changed when um, Vince McMahon no longer wanted... Uh... Oh, oh my God, sorry. No one to want to jack on it to pretend to be him. <laughs> My mind's gone blank. Sorry. Um... Just to let you know, this is definitely staying in. We need to bulk the time out. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. I think he's left again. He's gone back. <laughs> I've, I've lost. I've lost my note. Hold on. I should know it anyway. If he's Vince McMahon, for God's sake. Uh, when did he? When? When did he? When did he become... Uh... Wow, this is the best episode ever. <laughs> no, this, no, this can't stay in. This can't. 
this audio, this part, I'll cut it out, but this part is getting sent to the farm oh. nerds go no. <laughs> account. No. Definitely. They're getting a Google link of this. Oh, I'm plastered now. Did he? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, this has been awesome. Was it? Was it? Was it? <sighs> just, just remember, folks, your opinion don't mean anything <laughs> unless it's set in stone or wrote on a piece of paper. <laughs> I've completely lost it. Okay. <laughs> Did... Ground yourself. Ground myself. <laughs> It's quite hot. I need to. <laughs> Bro, do you want me to do some googling, live googling on the show? It's a first for Badlands, folks. This yeah, is yeah. First for Badlands. Did, did, did he come off when he be, when he when they acknowledged he was the the the, the owner? It was. Was a... that the was that the screw job or was it Austin? No, it it was. I think there've been people who've done it before. I remember uh, Pillman. Like mentioned about him being, was that him though, or was that in WCW? I know there has been like these like little like connotations that that Vince is the owner, but it really did come out at the screw job. It was literally that was the creation. The sit down interview with Jim Ross is usually like yeah. like the the time when yeah. it was acknowledged anyway. Right, let me take that from the start. <laughs> take two. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be all right on the night. <laughs> so, uh, the, the uh, Jack Tunney era. <laughs> you can't see the editing joins there, folks. You no, cannot no. see the join. <laughs> so, Vince McMahon was obviously always a, a commentator and a commentator, and also kind of introduced the shows at the start, and um, no one really. Knew unless you were in the know, and I didn't because I was a child. But no one really knew that he was, he was the owner of WWF at the time. Um, and obviously, that all came out as a result of the uh, Montreal screw job. <laughs> it certainly um, did. It did with with Vince. Obviously, we all know the story. Vince took matters into his own hands, and uh, and screwed Bret Hart out of the title versus Shawn Michaels on his final night in WWF. Um, so. Vince obviously harnessed that, um, harnessed the the potential of that um, situation, as you mentioned. He he had the the sit down interview with Jim Ross, uh, the very famous sit down interview, which really created the Mister McMahon character, the and, and Mister Mister McMahon character that I'm obviously going with, with uh, the greatest ever authority figure, and it was that Mister McMahon character that um, really, really. Um, really became amazing opposite Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, oh, man. Yeah, I think it, it kind of brought out this, like, in a... Vince always looked like he wanted to be, like, part of the show, and this was, like, the catalyst for it, and he literally ran with it, and he's, he's, he's still running with it now, 20-odd years later. Yeah. Yeah, he, he is, and and he, is, you know, his on-screen persona is very much, is very much a bastard. Um, he's someone who, who knows what he wants, and he didn't want Stone Cold Steve Austin, uh, which is kind of, 
kind of the, they always say the best villains are the ones whose whose motivations you know they believe they they believe what they're doing is right and they've actually got genuinely good reasons for it and if you think about it Vince McMahon Vince McMahon just didn't want Steve Austin to be the head of his company he he wasn't he wasn't the person he envisaged his his personifying his brand and you can kind of understand that um so so kind of that incarnation of Mr. McMahon before he before you went crazy, basically, you, you can kind of sympathise with a bit, um, and all he was ever, yeah, all he was ever doing was trying to make sure that the the people he wanted at the top of his brand were at the top of his brand. Um, yeah, the other thing I, I love about Vince McMahon is that you don't really ever, you don't ever really see behind the curtain. Like if you Google, if you look for um, interviews with Vince McMahon, you don't find interviews with Vince McMahon. I, I found like two interviews with the same guy back in 1998 Vince McMahon is Mr. McMahon he, and he's so true to his uh, so true to his gimmick if you like um, and I think for to to, to, to carry that on for how, well how long uh, since 1996 isn't it so About 23 years <laughs> it's unbelievable I, I, um, and I, yeah I think, I think he has to go down as one of the greatest authority figures of, of all time do you know what? It's an absolute shout. He again, another person who didn't make my list, but he was definitely on my honourable mentions. But there's one thing about Vince McMahon that over the years he's kind of shown a, a facet of his character, and that's the facet of spart. He's a very spartful man, and having to carry this Lord for three weeks on my own, I'm feeling a little bit of that spark that Vince McMahon, <laughs> that Vince McMahon feels on a weekly basis. So out of spark, and even though it's probably not best for business, I'm going to veto Vince McMahon being on this Mount Rushmore. And, I, and I'm going to... Chairshot.com. Always use your head.